aren't you like this is like the third week of October. October is moving by quickly and I don't like that. Is it the third week? I think it's the third week. I, I don't even know. Yeah. Oh well. Welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And this is Honda. And welcome to episode 62. So Honda, um, how has how has it been? How have the past two weeks been to you? Absolutely great. Man, your enthusiasm is just contagious. It's- I believe it's already week 10 tomorrow. Oh god, it's week 10. Oh, well, our semester's coming to an end. And so is the realization that our uni journey is going to come to an end soon. So that's not fun at all. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. But also because we've both been bogged down by mid-semester assignments. I don't know what's worse. Mid-semester assignments or end sem assignments I feel like end sem right okay so this this might be my controversial take about this but end sem at least you know the reward for it is <laughs> is a break but mid-term assignments it's like you know that even even after you slog through this assignment and complete it there's still classes to attend to and there's more work to come so, mid sem stuff is like the worst for me. Mm. Yeah, I just want to get it over and done with. Like, so tired. I know. Also, like when it comes to presentations, usually, um, if if it's a class with a few of my friends, usually we will, like, bite the bullet and complete our presentations during the first or second week. Hmm. Of the entire sem. So that means, right, there is nobody for us to compare ourselves to. So we set the standard, no matter how low that bar is. And also people forget about our presentation pretty early on. Mm. And we don't have to think about presentations for the rest of the semester. Yeah, but for this semester, I couldn't do that. So that was painful. That was pretty painful. Yeah, usually my my presentations are so early, but now, I mean, I don't have much. I only have two, I think, for this sem. Oh, wow. They're all like, okay, my first one is tomorrow, and then the next one is like November 6th, which is on a bloody weekend. Why I don't is know it what, on a weekend? <laughs> don't know what my department is thinking. It's like, they probably think students are super free on Saturday, Sunday. Like, none of us are working part-time jobs. Precisely. <laughs> what is happening? So annoying. Oh, well, yeah. Um, On the bright side, um, have you watched anything? Any Anything spicy, exciting happening? I feel like I did, but I don't remember. Oh, my God. Okay, slight, slight tension. But I went up for this appointment the other day, and this girl... She looked at me and she was like, oh, you have really nice eyebrows. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> I do them when I'm bored during class. <laughs> For real though, like sometimes when class gets, it, it, if it gets too slow, I just do my eyebrows. I turn off my camera. Not on. Oh. I, I mean, I'm not doing it on cam. People will clock me for that. <laughs> I would end up on the NUS uh, subreddit. <laughs> Yeah, but I just do my brows. So, yeah, she said I had nice brows, and that really made me very happy. Because I used to go for brow threading, and I never really liked how my brows turned out. (laughs) It made me look like four times my age. So, I I just learned how to do my brows myself. It used to be so thin sometimes. It used to be so thin. Oh my God. And it, okay. The thinness is not so bad. Sometimes they're uneven. Like, one will be thin, one will be thick. And, like, those days, I still remember we had this one classmate in JC. I 
I came to school after freshly threading my brows over the weekend. I remember she looked at it and she was like, Chris, your brows are usually quite nice. <laughs> um, this pair is a bit questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your um, honesty, friend. Um, Remember I made like, a meme out of your eyebrows? Oh, the eagle. <laughs> <laughs> the eagle flying off. My goodness. Yeah, now I just do that myself. Also because it's like cheaper. Yes. Yeah, I've have... never done my eyebrows professionally before, so I have no idea how it's like. Uh I used to go to this place because my aunt introduced it to me. But okay, so I think when I first went there, it cost about seven dollars to, to thread my brows. But then they hiked the price to ten dollars. And I was just doing my math. I was like if every month I go to get my brows done, I have to spend $10. So that's like $120 a year <laughs> on my brows. When I can like buy a $5 tweezer and then like those like really cheap packs of like face razors from like Shopee and then just mm-hmm. my brows there and it's like so much cheaper. It's just great. So that, that's my brow situation now. Nice. I know. But I was, just, I was really just thinking about, like, the evolution of beauty. Um, like, if you look at, like, early 2000s, like, the, the trend was those pencil-thin eyebrows. I, I know, but, like, at the same time, you look at them, like, you look at those celebrities, and it's like, they're kind of serving it. They look kind of good. But then a few years ago, Cara Delevingne came out with her super thick eyebrows and suddenly everyone wanted thick brows. Do you remember that? Mm, I mean, thick brows used to be like an ugly thing. Yeah, like, it used to be an ugly show, thing. Ugly Betty. Oh yeah, uh, Princess Diaries also, she had like... Yeah. Dang, we had same features. Curly hair, thick brows. And then they like... <laughs> Well, but I only got braces now and she didn't have braces then. But no, yeah, but essentially like after Cara Delevingne came out with her like super thick brows and then there was Lily Collins with the super thick brows. Mm. Suddenly everyone wanted thick brows to the point where um, it wasn't like organic. People were overdrawing their brows. Yeah, that super thick face. Yeah. And it's just so fascinating because they... Everyone went from the super thick brow to the super defined brow. So it's using brow pomades and gels and whatnot to make your brows look as defined as possible. And then, you know, uh, contouring it with concealer. And then now the the trend is fluffy, supernatural brows, almost as if like your brows are invisible. Invisible brows are in like, bleached brows are into and I just thought it was just so fascinating like the evolution of makeup and eyebrows <laughs> particularly eyebrows because like I mean I have to research the origins of this but like threading taming plucking eyebrows has, has just been so ingrained in like the history of beauty for women. Mm. It's like one of the first things a girl is meant to learn other than like shaving everywhere. It's also like, you know, you have to do your brows. Mm. And then now the the trend is to have almost unruly brows. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting. You can write a paper on it then. Maybe. But why? <laughs> I don't want to write a paper anymore. Um. Anyway, we should probably jump right into the story because I have an ear infection and I need to go to the doctor early tomorrow morning. Yeah. And it's not fun. So, shall we jump right into it, Honda? Mm-hmm. Okay, so today's story, I came across purely by accident how did I come across this I think it was on Reddit 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on Reddit. And like the thing is, um, so this story is from Korea as well. Um, and usually for the other Korean cases that I've covered, they're usually like older cases. Mm. Other than that, um, the child one yeah. you covered, that was pretty recent. So this case is pretty recent. So I couldn't find like articles on my own, but this Reddit user uh, like translated a bunch of articles and then sort of put all the information together into like one post so like yeah so this person line underscore false post is one of the sources I use I also used I think the Korean Herald who had some more like additional information which is kind of interesting but yeah so this is the case of Ko Yu Jong Jing <laughs> I don't think you'd have known about this I also didn't know anything about it so let's just jump right into it okay so on May 27th, 2019, yes, it is so recent. <laughs> 2019, holy guacamole. A police report was filed for a missing man named Kang by his younger brother. So in this case, I was really trying to find the full name for Kang, but I couldn't find his name. Interestingly, like every mm. single news report only had him by his surname. So maybe there was a gag order, I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, so anyway, on May 27th, Kang's younger brother files a missing persons report. So Kang had been missing ever since May 25th when he'd been at Jeju Island. He'd gone there to meet his ex-wife, Ko Yu Jong, and their son. So some history between Ko Yu Jong and Kang. So the both of them met at a volunteer group when they'd been in university in 2008, after which they courted each other for five years. Interesting courtship. Before finally getting married in 2013. But their marriage wasn't, I guess meant to be because uh, four years later in 2017 they eventually split up it was actually Kang who filed for divorce stating that Ko had been abusive but Ko Jong countered this claim so she told the judge that it was actually Kang who was abusive she said that he was an alcoholic and often absent at home Though it should be noted that there was no evidence to prove that Kang was an alcoholic. And in fact, it it said that he didn't even drink alcohol. So Kang was doing his PhD at Jeju National. Jeju National. (laughs) Kang was doing his PhD at Jeju National University and he wasn't earning much. So eventually during these court proceedings um the court actually granted custody to ko yeah they had one son and then they granted custody to ko and according to the judge kang was allowed to see his son twice a month along with paying some alimony um i'm not sure how custody like these custody battles go on but twice a month is really little yeah it's quite little I mean okay in some instances twice a month makes sense but I think for this case it was like um, Cole claimed that Kang was abusive and he was alcoholic and whatever 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 but there wasn't any evidence to support any of these claims so I would assume that they wouldn't you know just limit him so much so it's twice a month because that's very little and one of the reasons why they decided um that Kang wasn't like fit to take care of the child was because he was doing his PhD program so he didn't really have a lot of like money yeah and also you know courts by default will grant the mother custody mm. yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway so Kang proved himself to be a good father actually so he would send about 4 million won so this is about 4,559 Singapore dollars I don't know that's a lot to send um, each month for alimony though don't you think 
it's at almost five thousand dollars. It's four point five k. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's if really his job isn't high paying, then precisely. But he was doing it. He was sending the money each month, and. The shitty thing about this is every time he would go to visit his son, I mean, he's only given like twice a month. Like he can only see his son two times a month, right? So every time he would go, um, Cole would refuse to let him see their son. So she would like ignore his calls. She would turn him away. Um, he would, she would even come up with like various excuses as to why he couldn't meet their child. I know, questionable, like, right? I feel like he could argue... Because she isn't, I don't know. She's going against the agreement. You know what? You're right. So, um, some more information on Cole. So, Cole would actually uh, remarry. should eventually remarry and move to Chongju. And this is where it gets interesting. So, she remarries. She moves to Chongju. And she has the son that it, she has to take care of, right? From her previous marriage. Yeah. She left her son with her parents to take care of. Amazing. Yeah. So even though she, I guess she was no longer like primarily caring for him, her, her parents were, she still didn't allow Kang to see his son. So as you said, I mean, there's a case here if you want to bring it to court. So that's exactly what Kang does. So he got sick and tired of this and he goes to court and he's like, look, she is acting in contempt of court. You said that she has to let me see my son twice a month. She's not doing it. So the judge was eventually like, okay, fine. So the both of you, you, you arrange a date and then you just meet. Okay. So this is where we go to 25th May. So on 25th May, 2019, Cole would go down to Jeju Island with her son to meet Kang. And this would be their first meeting in two years. So for two years, Kang wasn't allowed to see his own son. <sighs> so who is Ko Yoo Jong? Uh, Ko Yoo Jong was born in 1983 in Jeju Island, South Korea. She was the oldest child, having two younger brothers. Her parents got divorced fairly early in their marriage, and her father um, eventually remarried. But other than that, she had a very normal childhood. Yeah, so everything was normal. I think even the post said that it was a very like comfortable childhood as well. In fact, her father was a businessman and he would allow her to go work at his car rental company. So it, it just seems that Ko Jong got everything she wanted growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is where we go right at the beginning where um, two days after Kang went down to meet his ex-wife and child, he went missing. Uh, his work younger brother filed a missing persons report at 6pm on May 27th. So to follow up the report, the officers called Ko Yu Jong because she was the last person to see him alive. They called her twice and she didn't pick up. And finally, the third ring she does and... Basically, she tells the police that, yeah, they had met at 9 a.m. on the 25th of May at, and they had met at a theme park in... Let me try to pronounce this. They met at a theme park in Sogripo, southern Jeju, before moving to a pension. So I was like, what is a pension? So a pension is like a small hotel, <laughs> essentially, like a rental kind of thing. So they meet at this theme park. Then they go to a pension in Jochon Up. That didn't sound right. <laughs> Which was located in the northeast of the island. Please ignore my terrible pronunciation. I'm doing my best, guys. Um, the both of them had meals together and eventually parted ways in the evening. So Cole told the officer that the both of them had a text conversation at 4pm on the 27th as well. So on the day, um, okay, I know the, the dates are like confusing, or maybe it's just me. So on the day the brother filed a missing persons report, Ko said that at 4 p.m. that day they had a text conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? 
But two hours later, Kang's family calls the emergency hotline and reports Kang's disappearance as a possible suicide attempt. So the police okay. tracked his phone down and found that his phone had been turned on at 5pm in Ido Dong, downtown Jeju City, about 20 minutes away from the pension he'd stayed at. After this, the police gave Ko another call. And this time, she told them that they had gone to a grocery store in Jochon Up, but drove back to the hotel together in her car. So she essentially said that the both of them had gone to this grocery store in separate cars, but when they were going back to the, the hotel, they went together in one car, which was her car. So following this up, the police went to the grocery store where they found his car. And they essentially tried to search for any evidence to support that he was trying to attempt suicide or he was suicidal, but they couldn't find any. Mm -hmm. The next day, the police continued to search for Kang's body. They looked around Ido Dong and even in a stream, just in case he'd fallen in. Still, they found nothing. So the police made another call to Ko at 6am on the 28th of May. This time, Ko told them that Kang had hurt her, saying that she had suffered bruises from an attempted sexual assault. When she resisted him, he ran away and didn't return. She said, I'm scared he will get away with everything. She even said that she had received a message from Kang the day before where he apologized for his actions and asked her not to sue him. The police actually asked her to come down to a station to make a statement, but she said that she was no longer in Jeju. The police continued searching, checking CCTVs, but to no avail. Finally, at 3pm, they got permission to check the pension. They had not been able to... Initially, they weren't able to go and check out the pension. And this is where I think it gets a bit iffy. Like, I don't know if it's just me or maybe the procedures for missing person, a missing person or like a possible suicide attempt or whatnot is different from like protocol taken for like, like an established murder scene. But the police were not able to go and check the, the rental flat, right? Because um, somebody was already residing in the room. Meaning, after they checked out, somebody else checked in. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't do that. Um, another reason why they couldn't just go and check, and this one makes sense to me, is because they couldn't get a hold of the owner of the rental. So obviously, like if you don't have the owner's permission, you can't go and check because you don't have a warrant. But I just thought it was really weird that they couldn't check because somebody else was there like isn't there a contamination of the crime scene yeah I don't know the police work in this case is extremely iffy and you will get to know more about it as I go on Mm. um yes the police found out that Ko had checked in at about 5pm on 25th May and that and that she had asked for an extension to the 28th. Um, but the owner couldn't give her an extension because the room had already been booked for the 28th by somebody else. On the 27th, the owner actually visited the pension. There, he saw Ko cleaning the place by herself. So he didn't think anything of it. In fact, the only suspicious thing was a broken flower pot and a few missing towels. So, hardly anything to worry about. Next, the police checked CCTV footage in the alley leading up to the pension. And there was nothing there. They checked the taxi they had taken and there was nothing there as well. Kang's family pled with the officers to check the grocery store uh, Ko said that they had gone to um, once again CCTV footage didn't reveal much it just showed Ko, Kang and their son shopping but nothing more also I find it very interesting that the family had to plead with the officers to go and search <laughs> for the footage I 
I think if they didn't ask, the police wouldn't have done it. The police really like can't be asked to do anything. I know. Listen, listen, it gets worse. <laughs> of oh course. God. On May 29th, the police checked CCTV footage from the alley leading to the pension as well as cameras from a neighbouring house. Uh, They saw Ko's car arrive on May 25th and then leave on May 27th, but there was no evidence of Kang leaving. At this point, the police police officers started to believe that they were dealing with something more complex. It wasn't just an open and shut missing persons case. Mm -hmm. On May 31st, they entered the pension and performed a luminal test. So for people who are not familiar with what a luminal test is, do you know how in like crime shows, they'll put the the light thingy, mm-hmm. then they turn off the light and then like blood splatter will glow in the dark. Mm-hmm. That's a luminal test. <laughs> yes. Yes. Essentially, the test revealed that there was blood absolutely everywhere. Eek. Yeah. There was blood on the bathroom floor, there was blood in the living room, there was blood in the kitchen, there was blood in the bedroom ceiling. Wow. Yeah. So seeing this, the police were like, uh, okay. And then they <laughs> arrested Ko Yu-jong the next day for the murder of her ex-husband. Um, just to clarify, when they arrested her the next day, it's just to keep her... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just to keep her for questioning. It's not because they were like, oh, we have hard evidence. Because these police were very, very good. Amazing even. Excellent. Yeah. When they went to arrest Cole, she was shook. This woman was legit, (laughs) like, shocked that she was getting arrested for murder. And um, remember how she said that Kang had tried to assault her and he, like, eventually ran away? Well, mm-hmm. uh, she changed her story. So now she said that... Uh, now she said that she was cutting a watermelon when <laughs> he came... when he attempted to assault her. So in self-defense, she stabbed him. Okay... <laughs> Okay, it's so believable, Honda. It's it's just amazing. Then the police were like, okay, so you stabbed him. So where's the body? And she was like, what body? It's actually she didn't tell them where she'd hit the body. Um, When the owner... Okay, listen, listen, listen. I'm just getting myself comfortable here, okay? When I say that these police officers were amazing... You're about to hear how amazing they are. So when the owner of the pension found out that they were investigating the crime scene, guess what he did, Honda? He cleaned up. You're very close. He protested and he asked to clean the house. (laughs) So guess what the police did? Oh, Oh, sure. Yeah, they agreed. I was like... Listen, I have two bullet points that says... The first bullet point says, the heck. (laughs) The second bullet point says, what is going on? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Did they, like, deploy officers on their first day? Like, these are the officers' first day in the department. And they were like, here, go there and just stand around. So when the owner of this rental comes and asks you if he can clean up the crime scene that is still being actively investigated, y'all can just say yes. How do they think it was okay? I... That's the thing. I'm like... It's literally rule number one. Okay, maybe it's not rule number one, but it's one of the most basic rules that you cannot let anyone touch the crime scene until the forensics team has gone and is done with everything there. Yeah. And as it is, the crime scene is already contaminated because after um, Cole left, somebody else came to stay in the booked room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to work doubly hard now to separate um, 
evidence, you know, from anything that could possibly be like a de- not a decoy, but anything that could, you know, hinder an investigation. Mm. Uh, as I said, at this point, Cole was already arrested and she was in jail awaiting her trial. Her current husband, Hong Tae, I'm going to try to pronounce his last, the, the last name, Hong Tae Didn't you take Korean until... I know, like- but it's the... It's a... Ui. Ui. Hong Tae He was Hong. He visited her. When he visited her, she asked him a very strange question. So she asked him, did the police take my pouch? Mm-hmm. Hong thought her question was strange, undeniably. Like, why is she talking about a pouch? So when he got back home, he searched through her stuff, eventually finding a bottle of Zolpidem in her carry-on bag. Now, Zolpidem is a sedative used for insomnia. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "Uh uh-oh. And immediately submitted the pills to the police for investigation. This would turn out to be an extremely useful piece of evidence. You see... The police were already struggling to put a case together. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. On top of messing up the investigation by allowing the pension owner to clean the crime scene, <laughs> um, they only had a tiny drop of Kang's blood to work off of. What the? Yeah. In addition to distress, the warrant for Ko's arrest would end on June 9th. So they were essentially running out of time. If they didn't find anything to tie her to the case, they would have to let her go. But four days before the warrant expired, four days is really cutting it damn close. My God. Four days before the warrant expired, they tested Kang's blood for Zolpidem and lo and behold, his blood had the drug in it. Now, now finally they had hard evidence to tie Cole to Kang's murder. Mm -hmm. So now they could put together a timeline of what happened. So I'm just going to run everyone through the timeline. On May 9th, um, after Cole was ordered to allow Kang to visit her son, um, investigators found that she had searched for these few things on her phone. Okay, So she searched for sedatives. Wow. She searched fatal dose of nicotine. Mm-hmm. She searched taser. She searched incinerator. She searched grinder and not the dating app. <laughs> she searched weight of bone. And she oh finally God. searched travel bags on her phone. Listen. Why do these people leave such a huge digital footprint? <laughs> it's so suspicious in itself. Like, what are you expecting? You know, even Google will be like, what is this person planning to do? Precisely. Oh, God. <sighs> anyway. um, On May 17th, okay, she managed to get a seven-day prescription for Zolpidem because she said she had insomnia. Mm-hmm. She told the pension owner that she was not to be disturbed during their stay and specifically picked a place that had no security cameras, which is why when the police were investigating, the mm-hmm. only CCTV footage they could get was from the alley, the alley leading up to the pension or from um, the buildings around the, the rental Mm. The rental itself had no cameras. On May 22nd, three days before the murder, she bought a knife, bleach, cleaning supplies, and rubber gloves. And later on during the investigation, police would also find a saw in her car. Mm. 
So finally, on May 25th, she met Kang at a theme park. And after that, um, the three of them, so she, Kang, and the son, went to a supermarket to get food. So these parts, what she told the officers was true. Mm-hmm. Um, that night, Ko made curry where she put the pills into Kang's food. Um, after dinner, Kang calls his father at 8pm, um, but eventually, like, he would miss a call later from his younger brother at 9.16pm, and his phone was turned off by then. When Kang went to lie down, Ko told her son to go to another room to play. This is when she stabbed Kang as he was sleeping. Blood spatter pattern indicated that Kang had woken up and had run to the kitchen and out of the pension. All the while, Ko kept stabbing him until Kang eventually passed away. Dang. Yeah. At 9.50pm, the owner of the pension called and he heard Ko tell her son playfully to go to the bed while she cleaned up. <laughs> the next day, she dropped her son off with her parents and then returned to the pension. This is when she began to cut up Kang's body and she would eventually hurt her right hand with a saw. Kang was 180 centimeters tall and weighed 80 kilograms, so she could only fit him. Yeah, he is. I saw 180 cm and I was like, dang, this guy is tall. (laughs) (laughs) And 80 kilograms, that's quite like, even to like move him. Or try to yeah. cut him up like, Yeah. Like, so, which is why she could only fit him into two carry-on bags that she brought with her to dispose the body with. Mm. On the 27th, she left the pension. Um, she went to a clinic to get her hand treated. And remember the text conversation where she said he, um, he apologized to her? The mm-hmm. one that was sent at 4pm? Yeah, she faked it to establish an alibi. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. Um, when the police called her, she said she was no longer in Jeju, right? Um, she was actually a, she was actually at a motel in Jeju. Mm-hmm. On May 28th, 6 p.m., she bought disposable gloves, a travel bag, and 30 plastic garbage bags. I know. That night at 8.30pm, she got on a boat to the mainland where security cameras caught her throwing garbage bags off the back of the boat for about seven minutes. Mm. She also ordered an electric saw and had it delivered to her parents' home. As she drove to her parents' home in Gimpo, she made several stops to throw away more garbage bags. On May 29th, she bought a ladder, a clean room suit and a tarp and police believe she did this to avoid splatters. Okay, so these parts aren't really clear, but I I think what she did was, initially, I think she cut up his body into two. Okay? So she cut into two, mm-hmm. that's how she fit into two bags. And then I think one half of the body, she started to cut it up into smaller pieces, and then on the boat, she threw away some, and on the way to the house, she threw away the rest. Yeah, it's not very clear, mm-hmm. but like I believe that's what happened. And then on May 29th, when she was at her parents' house, I think this is where she cut up the remaining body parts. Yeah. Um, because on 29th, with the ladder, the clean room tower, whatever, 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 she mutilated her ex-husband's corpse further and disposed of the pieces in the trash before driving back home to her current husband. So I think she cut him, cut up the remaining pieces, disposed it at her parents' house before returning to her own home with Hong, her current husband. Which I think is crazy because like, would you ever dare cutting up a dead body in your own parents' home? Holy guacamole. Um, she's eventually arrested on June 1st. Uh, according to Korean law, Suspects are innocent until proven guilty, and they take this they take this very seriously because um, when it comes to TV coverage, right? These suspects mm. have their faces covered or blurred. Mm. Yeah, um, there are a oh yeah okay. Listen, I have this little note that says 
So K dramas that show the face of suspects, you're doing it wrong. Oh my god. Okay, but in hindsight, um, it's not that they're doing it wrong. It's just that there are a few conditions where these rules can be overturned. So they can um overturn these if the crime was violent and caused and caused grievous harm. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is sufficient evidence to prove the suspect is indeed guilty. Um, beyond doubt um, if it's for the good of the public which is so vague <laughs> anything could be for the good of the public mm-hmm. and finally if the suspect is an adult so you can get the regulations overturned for these um, so that's what Kang Chiang did they protested that they were like can you not you know cover this woman's face she mm-hmm. again murdered our son like, threw his body into like the ocean or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kang's family petitioned for Ko's face to be shown and on June 5th, despite her protests, her face was revealed to the public. Her trial began on August 12, 2019, where her, de- defense, where her defense argued for a shorter sentence, citing that Kang had been a sexual predator, that her son depended on her since she was the sole parent um, because she had acted in self-defense, and finally, because there was no body. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I feel like it is far more insidious if you have a suspect and you cannot find the body. Because there are a lot of killers who um, refuse to give the location of bodies and stuff like that. It's just... Yeah. It's insane. Mm. Um, the defense also said that Ko had searched for the weight of bone on her phone because she wanted <laughs> to make bone broth. Lol. Okay. Um, she searched fatal dose of nicotine because Kang was a smoker. Totally not insidious at all. Um, of course, this didn't sit well with the public. <laughs> the public were just like looking at this and they were like, this guy is really grasping for straws. So they began to criticize the defense, undeniably. On the other side, prosecutors revealed Kang's blood in Ko's car and um, the saw she had used to butcher Kang's body with. They also argued the drugs in Kang's blood. It's beyond reasonable doubt. He had it in his system. She had the pill bottles with her. So if you put two and two together, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And finally, they argued that the murder was premeditated and argued for the death penalty. Honestly, a lot of the elements of this case does lead to the conclusion it was premeditated, particularly because, you know, her Google searches, um, how she bought materials like the, the rubber gloves, the cleaning supplies. On top of that, she specifically found a, a rental, like a pension that didn't have CCTV cameras. So it's very hard to argue anything against the idea of premeditation, unless you want to say it's just insane coincidences. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. And, you know, when it comes to cases like this, coincidences... It's not usually coincidence, you know. Nah. It's really not. On February 2020, wow, February 2020 was like at the beginnings of the pandemic. Oh, God. Um, she was finally convicted of the murder of Kang and sentenced to life in prison. But this case doesn't just end here. During the trial for Kang's murder, her current husband, Hong, filed a suit against Ko for the death of his four-year-old son, Hong Seng Bin. The four-year-old had been his son from a previous marriage and was living with his grandmother. Ko had asked Hong to bring the boy over one day. 48 hours later, the child was dead. The cause of death? Asphyxiation. Oh, no. Initially, Hong was investigated for the death um, it was believed that he might have put his leg over the boy in his sleep, resulting in the boy dying. I know, mm-hmm. this sounds, I was like, how did you come to that conclusion? Like, right. 
Um, but apparently, uh, yes. But apparently, according to Hong, um, the night the boy had died, Ko had served him curry. Oh. Oh. She was eventually acquitted for this crime due to the lack of evidence. But if you're asking for my personal opinion, and also what, um, also what line underscore four believes, um, <laughs> I don't think the police really cared or bothered nah, the investigation. I, so. I, I really don't think so. Because, I mean, this four-year-old died under suspicious circumstances. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, so she was acquitted of this. Um, another interesting bit about this case. Uh, okay, yeah. So another interesting bit is that, remember how we said that the police were doing such a stellar job? Mm-hmm. Like, it was so professional. They were so on top of things. Yeah. Um, the police um, were doing such a shit job at this investigation that they didn't even investigate Cole thoroughly. On top of that, it was actually Kang's younger brother who found CCTV footage from nearby buildings <laughs> and submitted it to the police. Amazing. It's just... It's just Amazing. Why did he even get hold of them? Like did the oh owners God, just I like s- give him. Maybe, but like in the end, he found more info than the police did. Yeah, and like you know, evidence was so much evidence was destroyed because they let the pension owner clean the place. <laughs> you know, and even the finding of the zolpidem, the the drug. It was really, really by coincidence. If the current husband Hong hadn't thought anything about it and had just gone his merry way, they would they wouldn't have been able to, you know, pin it on Ko at all. Mm. Um, on top of that, the police believe that um Ko hid the medicine, the Zolpidem in curry because it masked the bitter flavor, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Kang's body was never found and even if parts were found they couldn't be positively identified with him and uh, identified as him and um, it's really sad because his family eventually carried out his funeral mm. with seven strands of hair they managed to find from his favourite cat that's really sad it's really sad um yeah and for real if it wasn't for Kang's younger brother who literally pushed the police to investigate you know and was the first one to call the police up and be like hey my brother is missing and I suspect foul play I Cole might have gone scot-free yeah so this is the case of Ko Yu Jong I wonder how many more cases you know, are there in like Korea that could have been missed out because of the police being shitty so police work, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think line underscore four, who I just referred to as if they are my good friend. Um, they were talking about how I think somebody in the comments was like, "Oh, you know, I hope things have gotten better ever since this case." And then they were like, "Um, apparently there was a recent like domestic violence case, and the police handled that." very very badly as well so I don't know I don't know what the Jeju police are on but it's not good mm-hmm. I think for me the most glaring thing the, the, the thing that really really stood out to me and really made me go like what the hell I don't know what these people are doing was the fact that they allowed the owner of the rental to clean up the room while there was an active investigation going on. And that's the dumbest thing. It kind of reminds me of like the 
movie, I watched the Memories of Murder, which is like loosely based on not loosely, but it was based on the Hua, Hua Song. murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because the Memories of Murder, because it in like the comedic scenes were on how like the police were so shitty at the jobs and like people were just walking in and out of the crime scene destroying everything yeah out in the, the just, yeah yeah police tumbling down because it's like in a paddy field that's <laughs> pretty much it's really it's so wow funny. i it's like they're not exaggerating it's really like <laughs> yeah it happens like holy shit dang yeah but this is the case of Koyu Jong. And um honestly, you know how I mentioned that like it must be like a bunch of coincidences. I really feel like this case, it was really a bunch of like coincidences that allowed the police to even <laughs> conclude this investigation. Any advice to the good police of Jeju Island? Advice. <laughs> <laughs> Us trained police officers here to advise the Jeju police. Please be better at your job. Thank <laughs> God. They really can't be bothered. They really can't be bothered. Uh, I, I think that's a shitty thing. Like mm. I wonder if they if if they had done like a thorough investigation into the four-year-old's death, I wonder if they would have been able to solve it and their theory that the dad strangled him with his leg is just mm, strange so common? I don't know I don't think so he's fall <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and want to support us please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts leave us a review and click that follow button on Spotify you can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye-bye!